Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the GCSAA podcast presented in partnership with our friends at Bear Environmental Science, whose Exteris Stress Guard fungicide is helping superintendents stress less over managing foliar diseases on their fairways. For more information, go to es.bear.us slash Exteris hyphen Stress Guard. And our thanks, as always, to Bear for their ongoing support of the podcast. So thank you for joining us. It's episode 23 of the GCSAA podcast. I'm Scott Hollister, the editor-in-chief of Golf Course Management Magazine and the humble host of this podcast, and I appreciate you downloading and listening to this episode. If you haven't already, let me encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. It really does help the cause when you do that, and it helps others with similar interests find us when they are looking for new podcasts to try out. So my thanks to those of you who have already subscribed and given us a rating or a review. If you haven't done that, what are you waiting for? Get after it. Well, it's another quarantine episode of the GCSA podcast uh, recorded exclusively in my palatial home studio, which uh, also doubles as my basement. Um, I hope uh, you and yours are doing well in what are very strange times indeed. And really, it was those strange times that inspired the topic for this episode of the podcast, which I've been calling the giving back episode. Um, Throughout these last three months of dealing with the coronavirus and all the ways that it has impacted our daily lives, uh, you'd see stories or posts on social media about the difficulties and the challenges challenges uh, that superintendents were dealing with both on the golf course and at home. But at the same time, you also saw plenty about the ways those same superintendents were stepping up and helping out during the pandemic. There were small gestures and big gestures, but, but all of them brought just a little bit of positivity a touch of humanity, a bit of optimism to the table, which I think we'd all agreed um, is much appreciated right now. So episode 23 of the GCSA podcast is dedicated to those who give back and to those who have been recipients of a good deed or a kind gesture. Now, let me admit right off the bat that we are just scratching the surface here and we know full well there are countless examples of superintendents helping out right now, of supers giving back in really any way that they can. But but in this episode, we're gonna focus on just two such cases. Um, first up is a conversation with Justin Daigle from Perry Park Country Club in Larkspur, Colorado, which is on the uh, southern end of the Denver metropolitan area, um, who together with his family organized an effort that donated personal protective equipment to first responders in that part of the world. And then next, we are going to talk with Jason Krogman from Kitsap Golf and Country Club in Bramerton, Washington. That is uh, very close to Seattle. And actually, Jason was on the receiving end of a few good deeds from the members at his club who unprompted uh, began to show up to kind of help out with day-to-day maintenance when Jason was forced to uh, temporarily reduce his staffing numbers uh, because of the ongoing pandemic. Both are great guys with great stories um, that we're pleased to be able to bring you on this episode. And, And as we move forward, I hope we're able to bring you more positive stories such as these. We hope that not all of them uh, have to do with the coronavirus or, or really the other challenges and difficulties that we're all uh, facing right now in our country. But there are a lot of good 
uh, out there. There is a lot of good out there right now. There's a lot of good people in this business. So if we can share just a few of those good stories in this forum, then I think that's something that we really need to do. So uh, off my soapbox now and right in to episode 23 of the GCSAA podcast. And first up is our conversation with Justin Daigle. Well, happy to have uh, Justin Daigle. Justin is the golf course superintendent at Perry Park Country Club in Larkspur, Colorado, on the uh, kind of the southern uh, edge of the uh, Denver metropolitan area there between Denver and Colorado Springs. Justin's a 20-year member of GCSAA, and uh, uh, Justin is a lifelong Chiefs fan. I guess we won't won't, won't spend much time talking <laughs> about football, otherwise we'll well, this this whole podcast will go off the rails. The podcast, the whole podcast. Who was at the Super Bowl, by the way? Who was at? The That's Super right. Bowl? Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know, uh, we, we have, but we have know. we have way other, much more important things to talk about, and Absolutely. and that's a, that's kind of a cool effort um, that you and your family have spearheaded uh, during the pandemic uh, to kind of give back, uh, and you have organized uh, some donations of personal protective equipment. For first responders, most notably uh, N95 masks. So we'll, we'll talk about all of that. But uh, as I've kind of largely done in a lot of the podcast interviews that I've been doing uh, since all this began, and then it's just in you know regular conversations with with superintendents. I, I just how are you doing? How is your family? How are your how is your crew there at the golf course? And and maybe kind of just briefly, what's the situation like uh, in Colorado right now? And where are you at in terms of uh, uh, of the golf course and what sort of play are you seeing right now? So we're in a, we're in a good spot actually where we are in Douglas County is pretty rural. We have really low numbers. So uh, we were one of the counties to open up first and start pushing people out uh, golfers. So we're open private club. Uh, we actually are allowing guests um, as of Saturday, our restaurant's going to open back up with 50% capacity. Um, so as you get close to the metro area, there's it's a lot. There's a lot more restrictions um, as you get the population increases and the density increases. Where we are rural, um, we're we're moving along pretty good. Family's been healthy. Um, our friends and family have been healthy. Uh, it's it's you know kind of been a, a shock that everyone's rolling right. with the school ending for my daughter was pretty interesting. You know, last day, but you know, no classmates and uh, teacher came around all the houses to, to say uh, goodbye for the school year. Um, you know, my wife's now currently not a teacher right. um, because summer break right. started. But, so I don't know, maybe she might be looking forward to uh, some schools starting back up again, but uh, no, it's, it's been good. The staff's been good here. We had a real minimal staff to start out. Uh, we just had five or six of us here. Um, as we've started to open up and generate revenues again, we're, we're picking up. Um, we're at about, I'd say about 60% capacity on seasonal right now. So um, a lot of the detail stuff's not not rolling uh, forward, but we're moving forward with everything down the middle, tees, screens, fairways, mowing roughs. Um, still, uh, we actually had a great, we offered a volunteer program to have members come out and oh, help cool. us just on certain holes uh, with picking up pine cones, filling uh, ball marks, raking bunkers, and we gave them bunker aches and we filled every hole wow. with uh, some more than uh more than one membership you know volunteering so it's it's been it's been really good there you know everyone's committed they all have made comments though and maintenance is a lot tougher than <laughs> <I thought. laughs> well they're uh the first time they rake the entire bunker they're like i raked my my ball spot before my footprints but you do the whole thing. That's tough. Well, that, that's that's good for them. Uh, that's that's a, that's been a positive that's overall. A little, then getting them a, no, a taste of that. Well, um, 
We've reported on, on your story uh, before, um, back in April, on on our website gcmonline.com. So, for some folks who who are who read that and now are listening, they probably have a basic idea um, uh, of your story. But I'm going to kind of let you tell the story. I know that you early on uh, during uh, the the era of the restrictions, uh, you were speaking with a county sheriff just to get some information on how your um, how your employees, if they needed any special permissions or things like that to get to and from the golf course. And that sort of was where it started. So I'll kind of let you tell the story of how this all, the genesis of this of this effort uh, started for you. Yeah, and you started it out correctly. Uh, right when we had the stay home order and we knew that we as staff members were allowed to come in, a lot of question marks, right? A lot of question marks. And one of those was, you know, I was driving into work and there was a county sheriff, Douglas County Sheriff at the front of the park as you come in here. And, you know, I asked, I said, uh, you know, do my staff members need a letter to, you know, if they're on the road? And he said, no, 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 we're not, we're not, you know, pulling people over for that. And I said, no problem at all. And I literally was listening to CNN radio on the way in. And that's when things were starting to get really bad in, uh, in New York. And, um, and there had been some deaths of some first responders and they were actually reporting on it literally as I was driving into work. And, um, you know, as, as I got done the conversation with the sheriff, I said, you know, you have an N95 mask. He said, no. I said, do you want some? He said, you have some? And I said, well, yeah, I've got some in my shop and we just had them here for, uh, you know, for sanding and we just have them on site. Uh, this is pre pandemic. I said, you want some? He said, yeah, I'd love some. So I said, follow me to the shop. And I gave him 10 of them, pulled them out of a bag, gave him 10 of them. And his eyes just lit up. And um, he said, yeah, we, we've been issued these two. And they said, be careful with them because we don't know if we're going to be getting any more. I said, it just, so I kind of brewed on it all day. I gave him to him. He went off, I said, thanks. And he went off and kind of brewed on it all day. And I was like, I wonder if I can get my hands on some N95 masks, I've got um, an account, a wholesale account with Alibaba um, because we get stuff for the golf course with right. them. So I'm licensed with them and I can get stuff. I said, well, I've gotten them before. Why don't I start reaching out if I can help out? So I asked, you know, before I brought it up to my wife, I found out if I could get some N95 masks and I found out I could. Um, so I kind of asked my wife, I said, what do you think about running a fundraiser? And trying to raise some money to donate masks because right now they're in need. I reached out also one of my good friends is a commander with the um, Castle Rock Police Department where I live in Castle Rock. Um, and I said, are you guys in need too? And he said, oh yeah. I mean, our, our we've got about 25 right now. I said, you know, and they were in dire, dire need. So um, I said, you know, if I could get 500 to a thousand of them, you take him, he said, in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. So I talked to my wife about it. I said, you know, what if we come up with a fundraiser, try to raise some money on GoFundMe and say, I can get my hands on him. Let's see if we can raise some money to do it. Reached out to my folks too and told them what we were going to do and try to do a fundraiser. And, you know, we started out, then Vanessa and I were just going to um, donate the first thousand to get the, the GoFundMe right. going. You know, I talked to my folks about it and they said, you know, what about we do this? What if we do a match? Match usually gets things going on a fundraiser. And we said, all right. Um, all right, we'll give the first thousand and then we'll, 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 we'll go dollar for dollar match on the next 4,000. So 5,000 total, we would donate to see where we get to, um, and, uh, try to get some masks and it took off, um, in under 48 hours, just over 48 hours. And it's been a while ago now, just over 48 hours. This is when the pandemic started. Um, we had nine, we hit our match. We hit, we hit our, our goal of $9,000 and, um, 
And uh, we had a, an organization here called onegoat.org and, and they raise money for first responders also, predominantly for first responders also. And they said, hey, we'd like to do a big donation too. I said, you know, up to $5,000. I said, well, hold off a minute. Um, only because would you be willing to do it as a match? Because the match was so darn successful. Right. What if you did it as a dollar for dollar match? Same number. Yeah. They said, yeah, absolutely. Let's yeah. do it. So we announced another match. And in like a week and a half, we were up to like nineteen thousand dollars. Yeah, it's awesome. It was awesome. Um, so and it's gone. We're at about twenty three thousand raised right now, um, and it's kind of slowed. It's absolutely sure. slowed. We're not pushing, but um, we have more mass in, and we'll top ten thousand mass donated uh, this week. This week we'll get the other. We'll probably be at about eleven thousand mass total Holy donated. God. How did you? Uh, now I know you use. So you, you mentioned GoFundMe, uh, the the one go gr- uh, group coming in to help. Um, social media. I know um, you're pretty active on Twitter. We'll share your handle here later before we wrap up. Um, um, so you had a lot of different a lot of different things at work in terms of uh, generating interest. I know some of the local news, you know, the local news channels there in the in the area, uh, um, did some stuff on it. Uh, were, you, were you surprised at, at how quickly it took off? Yes, it was was really interesting that you say surprise. After the first day, we had I don't know we had like four hundred dollars in donations. So you know we were kind of. <laughs> Man, we were like donate more mass than this, and it rocket shipped after that. It wasn't even from the newscast; it just rocket shipped. Uh, word of yeah. mouth is basically what happened, and boom, we took off. In fact, we almost were at our goal of nine thousand uh, dollars before the news stories even Holy ran. Wow. Crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy. It shows you. I mean, it uh, obviously shows you the power of uh, digital communication in the era, and really the community. You know, the turfgrass, you know, community that, that we're all a part of online there, and and how much those stories got shared. That's where I first uh, saw your uh, saw this story kind of pop up was through your Twitter account, and then others that that had been sharing it. Um, you, you mentioned how many masks uh, that you that you have donated. I, I'm curious how you guys. Uh, there's obviously a. a, a was and probably still is a big demand from whether it's hospitals, uh, police departments, uh, you know, search rescue kind of places. Um, how did you How did you guys kind of navigate uh, where you were making your donations once you had the masks in hand? So it started out a little bit with um, with my direct connections, and we knew we were going to do a bunch to Douglas County and Castle Rock. We wanted to do local, and then it kind of blew up to Colorado. Once people found out that we had um, mass available, first responders uh, departments were reaching out to us. Then we started a whole network of you know. I started reaching out to departments directly and asking if they were in need. So um, we, we really made the choice to donate of people that just didn't have them. You know, like De- Denver Police Department was out, out, and they, like, out, out. And so we donated, uh, I think our first one was a, f- a 500, then we donated another 1,000 to them. So we really, and, and some departments were really honest where they were like, I'm great right now. Englewood is perfect example. I'm great right now. But I know someone that needs them. Can I pass on a number or have them reach out to you? Yeah, no problem. So people reaching out to us, um, and then we kind of were vetting too. Um, yeah, the part of the pandemic is you have other people reaching out saying they're right. in need, you know. So we had to vet, and make sure they were going to the right spot. Because with people donating large amounts, we wanted to make sure that their donation funds 
were going to the place that we wanted them and told them they were going. So we spent a lot of time vetting also. Well, you mentioned that, um, you mentioned that, that, you know, as things are starting to reopen uh, across much of the country and obviously different, different, uh, areas are doing different, different things. Um, are you, are most of your contacts in that community, in the first responder community, what are they telling you about their supplies right now? Are, are they starting to stay? Or, I know it's very anecdotal and just for your area, but are they starting to stabilize? Are they starting to get access to those things better than they They're were? starting to get access to some, and there, a lot of are sharing. Um, you know, it's all pay it forward, which is good. They're starting to get some. There's still a huge need uh, for them for the fact that not only do they need them just covid but they'll use them after the fact Absolutely. too you know they use them for fentanyl calls or certain calls that they need to go on they're going to need these covid or not covid um they also are smart knowing that they got to build their stockpiles there's potential of a resurgence of this there's yes it's quieting a little but i think what we've all learned on this is just planning sure right? Like emergency planning. So they're happy to stockpile. And I think they're also sharing with each other, all these offices of emergency management within the different departments are just sharing. We've got a ton. If you need them, let us know. And that happened to like when we donated, this is a cool story, but you know, when we donated to Castle Rock, the hospital local hospital had just bailed them out because they were in dire, dire need. We donate them. They run right over to the hospital, which we got to go over there and join that and see them pay it forward. That's a lot of that's been happening and the smiles when you donate when you hand it doesn't even matter it can be 10 masks the eyes light up like all the officers fire um emts come out and they're like what oh thank you yeah. i mean it that was probably the biggest thing that my you know for my daughter to see she was, she was super involved she donated and got to see this that it made a difference the the, the need was there it was, it was yeah, yeah, it brought you to tears. Yeah, a lot that, of times. That, that's got to be super rewarding. And um, I was going to mention uh, Cameron, your daughter, and her. Uh, uh, she dug dug into her into her piggy bank, and I know you guys matched that that donation. But that's got to be that's got to be really great for you and your wife to to kind of to to see how I, I know this is. You know, I have children. I think they're a little probably a little older than yours, but um, I, I do. You know, I'm always curious how this impacts them. But to, but to see the way that uh, kind of the the younger generation has has really stepped up to help. That, that, that's just super cool to see. Oh, man. And, and from the beginning, uh, and I'll be, I'll be honest, and this is a cool story and that I'm telling you, maybe it didn't get in the article, but I literally got up the day after we decided to do this. We told her about it. She gets up before us sometimes in the morning, you know. I walked out, and her money was sitting on the kitchen table. Wow. Like, like she had gotten up early, got it up, because it wasn't there when I went to yeah. bed, right? And it was there. She dug... The, the you know the, the like all of it two dollars and fourteen it was awesome that's to great. see you know that's great well as terrible yeah. as this has been in 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 so many parts of the world there it's fun to share these bright spots like that I'm sure that's something that you and your wife will remember you bet and uh, we bet um, that's one of the reasons we want to do this this little occasional series of, of podcasts is just kind of share and have some conversations about about some of the the good efforts. Um, that have taken place. So kudos to you and, you and your family for, for all, all you've done. That's a, that's, that's a really awesome effort. I would be, I would be remiss. We were talking about this before I hit the record button, but I'd be remiss to not uh, uh, ask you about uh, kind of a status report uh, on your, on the world of robotic mowers. This is kind of a, a weird segue, I guess, but 
Um, yeah, our robots got COVID. Did you? I don't know if everyone knew they got COVID. That's yeah, right. They just went they, away. Sure, they sure did. They they just sort of disappeared. But um, you have been a bit of a you were a bit of an evangelist uh, for the use of robotic mowing uh, on golf courses. You presented on the topic at the golf industry show in Orlando, um, and I know you had the Cub Cadet RG3s uh, on your property there and yep. i know that they under the cover of darkness disappeared so just what's this what's the status report <laughs> when when cub cadet pulled the pulled the plug i know it left you in a bit of a lurch so how did you guys uh, kind of solve all that at, at perry park i'll tell you what it, it, it solved pretty darn quickly um you know through 20 years in the industry uh you have a lot of connections i made phone calls very quickly <laughs> you know we had our out plans pretty quickly um and we rolled into it Toro E Triflex, and we had the first uh, hybrid delivered here in the state of Colorado. So, you know, I like technologies, right. and I rolled right into mm. a new one, and that's been great so far. Um, you know, everyone just really, uh, we made it a, a positive spin. We enjoyed our time with robotics. We know that autonomy is going to be there in the future, we'll be involved in it. No sour taste in mouth, but. You know, just like when anything happens on a golf course, you got to take it as a with a grain of salt. Positive, we MacGyver our ways through it and try to create a smile at the end of the day. You know, and, and I'll always remember. I mean, I, I brought my staff out; they didn't know what was happening. Right? I invited my staff to breakfast. We sit down at breakfast, um, and they're just like, "Why is he inviting us to breakfast?" <laughs> this. I come to find out later, if I, if I couldn't manage the thought I was telling him I was leaving. <laughs> so we get there. And I'll tell you, at the end of a breakfast, everyone had smiles on their faces and everyone was enthusiastic about getting the Toro E Triflex and potentially doing some beta testing for some fairway mowers, autonomous fairway mowers and, and, and doing, man, you just got to spin it, spin it the right way. Um, but not regret it all our time that we spent with autonomy. It was a blast. It was a blast to bring it. It was a blast to have it with the industry, uh, you know, be a for, for, you know, a front runner in the industry of doing it, um, testing it, making it work. Awesome product. And, um, and then it's a, just a new frontier on how we, how we move forward and I guarantee it, man, there will be, there will be robots at Prairie Park again. There it's, will be robots. Well, it's, uh, yeah. A, definitely emerging technology, definitely a setback. I, I don't want to, you can't, Paint too much oh, over that oh, setback for it in the in in the especially in the U.S. Um, it, it in various forms or fashions it's moving on in Europe. But uh, we've uh, we've reported on Justin and his interest in it before. We reported on your uh, presentation at, at, at show in Orlando, and then uh, uh, on the unfortunate news was our April cover story that you participated in as well. <laughs> and you mentioned it there. You just you mentioned that superintendents roll with the punches man when and when things change like this you, you got to find a solution so it sounds like you uh did this and as you mentioned earlier to me that uh, your members are uh, uh seemingly pretty pr pleased with the, the new toro uh product uh, you got the product has been I'll, I'll be honest with you i was most upset at the product that the robots produced the, the surface that it produced with no footprints no tire tracks and that i'd never be able to recreate that and with our with the, the new Toro E Triflex and with the roller, the members are saying they're not noticing the difference, and we're not really noticing it either. Um, so, I, I, I it, it has been a better 
end product than I think I thought I was going to get. And that's, that's a good thing, right? That That's a, that's an additional smile. And that's, and that's why caring positivity with the staff has been good that way. Right. Because it ended up being a positive thing as opposed to two months of in the sure. doldrums. And, uh, you know, so no, every, everyone's, everyone's loving, uh, you know, you just that running that or, or that e triflex, um, and you know, members come up, they're still very interested in the technology, yeah. you know, and it's a new technology. That's, that's right. That's right. Well, that's, that's great. To, that's great to hear. And, and I know you'll, uh, uh, we'll probably have you in the magazine again when you get the the next wave of robotics introduced on the on the golf course. But well, Justin, listen, I, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to, to chat with me today uh, about robots and also about a really awesome effort that you and your family kind of spearheaded to donate those those masks. Great stuff there. Uh, uh, keep us keep us posted on how all that goes. Hopefully, we are on the downside of this, and there's not another wave that we have to concern ourselves with but um uh, again uh, stay safe out there thanks so much for your time and great talking to you awesome awesome thanks we'll talk to you soon well hope you enjoyed that conversation with justin daigle from perry park country club in larkspur colorado want to thank him once again for taking time to talk with us and just offer another tip of the cap to both he and his family for all the work that they have put in to raise money uh for um N95 masks for first responders in that part of the world. Really cool stuff. So uh, my thanks again uh, to Justin for joining us. Before we move on to part two of this episode of the podcast, I want to uh, give you a quick word about Xteris Stress Guard Fungicide and uh, our friends at Bear Environmental Science, the uh, presenting partners in the GCSA podcast. If you uh, talk to any superintendent who has worked with Bear, um, you know they'll tell you that they are a company committed to providing technical expertise and innovative solutions that maximize turf quality and make superintendents' jobs easier. And that is certainly a great description of Xterra Stress Guard fungicides, which will make you stress less over managing foliar diseases on your fairways. With leaf coat technology, Xterra Stress Guard offers improved product retention on the leaf surface, sticking where it's needed most at the site of fungal activity. To learn more, go to es.bear.us slash exteris hyphen stress guard and spell that out for you. It's E-X-T-E-R-I-S hyphen stress guard, S-T-R-E-S-S-G-A-R-D. Once again, the full URL is es.bear.us slash exteris hyphen stress guard. And of course, as always, my personal thanks go out to everyone at Bear for their ongoing support of the podcast. We really couldn't do it without them. With that, uh, we're done paying bills, and we can get right into part two of our Giving Back podcast and our conversation with Jason Krugman. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome, and uh, excited to have uh, Jason uh, Krugman joining us now. Jason is the golf course superintendent, Kitsap Golf and Country Club in Bramerton, Washington. That is, if, if my geography is correct, Jason, just north of Tacoma and west of Seattle, basically. Yes, right across the Puget Sound, we're almost directly due west from Seattle. So, yeah, you're pretty, you're pretty spot on with that. I had to look that up on Google Maps. I didn't just know that. So, <laughs> right. um, but uh, Jason, uh, nine-year member of GCSAA, you can find him on Twitter at uh, Jason Krogman, the number seven, and that's all one word on Twitter. And Twitter will play a, a big role in our conversation today, and we will get to that. Uh, in just a little bit and kind of set up while we're speaking with Jason today. But Jason, first off, uh, just, uh, I'm kind of asking this to everyone who's, who's appearing on the, the, on the podcast. How are you? 
How's your family? How's, how's your crew at the course? This is really uh, uh, for a lot of different reasons an unprecedented time in our in our country. So so how's everything? Uh, how's everything in your world uh, in the uh, Pacific Northwest? Uh, things are are starting to kind of take shape. I uh, you know if you would ask me that question a couple months ago, I probably would have obviously a completely different answer. Um, probably wouldn't even be able to really give you an answer with kind of how uh, how. Uh, uncertain things were and things were changing what seemed to be daily um there for quite some time but uh we've uh you know i'm, I'm good I'm, I'm i'm tired i'm actually able to take a few days off here um i got the rest of the week off some vacation time i was able to bring my my core uh six guys back on um last week full time as of june 1st so we've been um, i'm still down 55 to 60 labor hours a week um a couple seasonal guys that we're probably not going to get back this year which is totally understandable but uh but it's been an interesting few months. Um, my wife, uh, my wife was laid off. She's a dental hygienist in the area. And so she was laid off for, uh, I think I want to say it was eight weeks. Um, so she finally went back to work a couple of weeks ago. Um, kids are back in daycare started, uh, started last week. So life is, uh, starting to kind of get back to normal, whatever that new normal is. Obviously it's much different than what it was, you know, um, at the beginning of the year, but, um, you know, starting to get acclimated to the new, the new, uh, the new situation that we are all in, not just me, um, but kind of everybody in the business. And, uh, we're starting to kind of get some sort of normalcy and, and a schedule and, and put together and still trying to figure out what that might be for the rest of the year. But we're able to, we're able to get through things now and make some progress on the golf course. We got 15 new members out of all of this over the last couple of months, oh, wow. which is great. Um, yeah. with the clubhouse being closed down and the pro shop being, you know, minimal, minimal, uh, stuff with the pro shop. So that, uh, speaks a lot for the guys on the staff and being able to keep the golf course kind of going as, as best as we can. So it's, uh, well, that, yeah, I mean, we were talking before we hit the record button here uh, about that new, about that new normal and what that means for everyone. And, and I think there's, uh, kind of universally some sense that we're getting a little, we're starting to inch our way back to whatever that that normal was, but we'll probably never make it all the all the way there, or at least at least in twenty twenty. And so you just sort of have to uh, yeah. both at home and and at work, uh, kind of adjust uh, to to what's presented. And it sounds like you guys have been doing that up uh, up your way. Yeah, no, and that's I mean that's and it's it's, it's exciting. You know, it's obviously nervous as well. I mean, it gives me some new opportunities to try to you know think outside the box and how we're still able to get the job done with less staff and. Um, it's been a new challenge for me in a lot of different ways. Um, we up in our county here, up in Kitsap County, we we got moved to phase two last week, which now we can have our clubhouse open, um, restaurant bar open up to 50% um, occupancy, still doing social distancing and all of that. And then I heard yesterday that the talks have possibly been to maybe even go to stage three within the next week or two. And I'm not 100% sure. I think that's 75% occupancy while still doing social distancing and stuff like that. But uh we're, we're, we're inching back to uh, somewhat of a normal life. And, and uh, like you said, whatever that new normal is, I mean, take it and go with it, I guess, and take it for what it is, you know? Yeah. Roll, roll with the punches and, yep. and kind of figure it out. So well, what, what, what we'd like to talk to and, and really why I wanted to, to chat with Jason uh, today uh, on the podcast was a tweet I, I saw uh, back in early May. Um, and we will get into all the details. And, and as we were thinking about this kind of series of podcast conversations and, and trying to kind of highlight not necessarily the positive stories, because, you know, with all of this, there's 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 so, so much bad news going on. There's maybe not a, a total positive stories that we can tell, but there's some bright lights 
out there. And this is one that kind of brought a smile to my face and actually um, it actually went viral, if you will, uh, yeah. in our little corner of the uh, of the Twitterverse <laughs> and what yeah. we could talk about that. But uh, to start off, Jason, why don't, you, why don't you set the scene when when all the restrictions, uh, your part of the world was one of the first in the United States to really have outbreaks of COVID-19 that, that were legitimately you know, serious threats to public health, probably one of the first parts of the country to have restrictions placed, uh, placed on them. So maybe paint a picture uh, of when that's all started, what was life like for, for you on the golf course? How, how quickly did things change from normal to, to what you were facing under, under those restrictions? And what do those restrictions look like? Um, you know, it, it, it came on so quick. Um, a lot of March and April were a lot of a blur. They just kind of blended days together. Um, you know, working almost every single day, trying to do what we can to keep the course going with minimal staff. Um, I know when it happened in March, you know, it, it came on extremely quick, which I'm sure it did for everybody. You know, my, my club, our average age is 65 years old. We're an older, we have an older membership. We're kind of more of a blue collar type club. We're not, we're not a real ritzy place by any means. Um, so it might've been different for other places, but with our demographic of what our membership is, that was a very big concern, um, you know, with, within our walls of, of our club. And, uh, it came on pretty quick. We, uh, we shut stuff down as soon as the governor, or as soon as the governor kind of came out with the restrictions, we, we followed them immediately. Um, and before you know it, basically kind of just seemed like the world was shut off. And, uh, what that meant for me and, and, and the course and stuff I went down to, I was working by myself. Um, I was bringing my guys in, uh, for two days, every seven to 10 days through the second half of March and, uh, pretty much for the entire month of April. And that was a lot of weather dependent on when I was able to bring my guys in, but that's, uh, and then once we got into May, then it was more of, uh, I had 14 labor hours a day is what I, is what I was budgeted for. And that was basically bare and essentially, you know, just taking care of the absolute necessities on the golf course and, um, um, trying to hold everything together, um, going in early, staying late and doing everything that we can to, to make sure that we still have a, a, you know, a foundation to go back to whenever the world started to open back up, which we're, which we're seeing now. And, and, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was one of those that I tried to put together plans and schedules. I found out very quickly that that was not going to work because things were changing so much that any plan I had set forth, I had to throw it away the next day. So it was kind of one of those just straight shoot from the hip and, and kind of take the course from a day-to-day -day operation and making sure that you're still kind of keeping up on your, on your agronomics uh, for the golf course, make sure you're not losing anything that way. But understanding that uh it's going to be rough around the edges playability is not going to be what it what it was or, or what it should be um and i've been fortunate to work with a membership that understands that and as we get into this you know the volunteer stuff and and stuff like that is uh um people stood up and or, or, you know came together and stood up in a big way and and kept us going basically so yeah, and that was that was something that interested me when I when I when I saw that on Twitter. So you're you're running a skeleton crew, which basically is just you for for most of that time. Um, uh, it's early May, uh, just to kind of paint a picture for people who maybe aren't on Twitter or or didn't happen to to see the tweet. But uh, it, it's early May, and um, you have one of your members unannounced uh, show up uh, show up on the golf course. 
with his own gear, I might add, and not his clubs, um, his, his, his own gas, his own, uh, I guess, trimmers, mowers, things like that. And you, uh, you basically posted a tweet just kind of thanking the gentleman and, and kind of pointing out how unique it was that you had unannounced and unrequested members of, of your club coming out to kind of help you, uh, help you take care of the course in a time when, when you had been busting your backside to, to kind of do most of that yourself. So, uh, what was, what was that like when you, when you first saw him and what, what sort of prompted you to go ahead and, and share that on, on social media? Um, you know, it's, it's, so a little backdrop about the club. I've been here just over three years. And when I first got here, I was always told about work parties. And, you know, membership used to have work parties years and years ago in the past. And we've kind of gotten away from that a little bit. But that was one of the things that I wanted to kind of get going um, again when I started here. So we've had one or two work parties a year leading into this where we'll get a group of 25, 30, 40 members together. And we just pick away at landscaping projects or flower beds or stuff that even under full staff, we don't have the bodies or the time to really kind of do. Um, and he's always been, uh, Tom's always been one of those guys that's right in the middle of all of that. He's, uh, his father was a superintendent, which I just found out here within the last uh, few weeks after I put this, this tweet out, his father was a superintendent. So he's got a lot of respect for not just me, but my position, my guys on the staff, what we, what we do on the golf course. And, uh, He's always asked to help and, and has always offered to help. I've never, um, I've never had to ask him to come in and help. And then yeah, one random Saturday morning, uh, we have what we call a hand mowing routine, which is the small rough around the putting green and first tee box, a couple of other smaller areas of the golf course where it's too big to get our mowers in. And he just showed up one day at like six 30 in the morning and brought his own mower, his own weed eater, um, gas, all the tools. And he said, Hey, I noticed this was getting a little long. Do you mind if I mow it for you? And I just, you know, at the time was running around, this was still right in the middle of everything. So it kind of, uh, you know, I didn't really appreciate it at the time, but you know, I came back and saw him working and I just decided to take a picture and put it out there on Twitter. This same thing I do of, of any other tweet. I had no, uh, intentions of this thing going, you know, viral, like you were saying, um, somebody got a hold of it and it just kind of took off. So, um, you know, and, and the sole purpose of me kind of doing it was like you said it's it's more of a feel-good story it's not trying to um get any recognition for myself or anything like that i just thought that with all the doom and gloom going on and this was before all of the social um issues that we have going on right now you know right so right. i just kind of thought that you know uh twitter world might uh might see some of those little positive even if it's for five seconds that you read a tweet and it obviously went much farther than that so um yeah it, it certainly it certainly took off the, the gentleman's yeah. name's tom danaher yeah. uh tom's 71 years old well, and, let, me, let me stop you right there i'll i'll, I'll change because i found this out after the tweet um i so he played that morning after he got done working and i put the tweet out after he teed off and so i went up to one of his playing partners because i didn't have the guts to ask tom how old he was to put on the tweet. <laughs> His playing partner told me he was 71. Well, after I put the tweet out and after I, cause I showed Tom like, you know, like a week later after he gained all of his, all of his recognition here. And, uh, he said that he was 76. I said, oh. Oh, okay. Well, that might've got me a few more likes. Yeah. I got that jokingly, obviously. Right. So, um, but, uh, but no, so yeah, so no, he's actually, he's actually with 76. I just didn't have the guts. 76. 76. That makes, that makes it almost even more impressive. Yes, the, to, it that kind of, 
um, that kind of. But I'll, let, let's let's go over the numbers. I checked them last night, Jason. Um, that tweet has been liked uh, over twenty three hundred times, one hundred and twenty four retweets, forty three replies, and again. Uh, I don't think you know anything we do at, at GCM or GCSA or, or or what individuals like you in our little corner of the Twitterverse are, are going to catch up with Justin Bieber or uh, or anyone like that on on, <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, but that that that's that's pretty impressive. When, uh, uh, you said you you kind of dabble in, in in Twitter and in social media. That that had to be kind of a first for you in terms of something getting that sort of reaction. Yeah, no, I've, I've never, I mean, yeah, I'm on Twitter and in that I don't post a lot of stuff. Usually it's just stuff about the golf course. I, I, uh, you know, I don't really get into a whole lot of conversations. I, I, I use Twitter as a resource to learn and, and to, to see what other people are doing. And, and that's simply what this was about. And I think somebody retweeted it to somebody at the golf channel. And then all of a sudden that just took off like crazy. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was cool to see. I've never seen anything like that or had anything like that happen to me again. And chances of it happening again are probably slim to none. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, certainly so, we hope there's not a circumstance like this one that will require you to have if, uh, if that something kind of like this happens again. I hope it's under different circumstances. Yes. That's like, right. That's, so, right. That's, uh, that's right. Um, you, you said you talked to Tom about the about the, the the tweet. What was his reaction when he found out that he was he had gone viral on social media? Um, you know, I, I probably the same as I would expect any 76 year old person to see what social media is about. Um, you know, there, he's not really big into it, Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. So I, I think he got a pretty good kick out of it. I, I you know, I, I don't think he probably realized how far it spread to the different, you know, corners of the golf world. Um, and maybe doesn't, you know, realize the impacts of what that tweet has in, in our business, but, uh, he got a pretty good kick out of it. He, uh, he enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, and I know he, uh, he, he, he still brings it up every once in a while when I talk to him out there on the course, ask me if I got any more <laughs> likes or any more of this. And, but now it's kind of phased off a little bit, you know, not too many people are seeing it anymore, but, uh, you know, he got a kick out of it. Well, maybe the, uh, maybe this podcast, people will go back and revisit it and he'll, hey, he'll pick up a another 500 likes or whatever <laughs> the case might be. So there you go. Um, you, you did, you did mention um, your use uh, of social media. I think this is a, a great illustration. I, I often um, am asked uh, either in a formal setting or, or informally about GCM's social media, why we're involved, why superintendents uh, uh, should get in, get involved in. And what I, what I usually say is that, uh, because it's part of our community, it's part of our industry's community, um, and whether you're just going to observe or be an active participant, that it really can further you professionally. It can keep you better plugged into your industry, and I, I think this is a, this is a pretty good illustration of just how um, you know, I'm sure you got reactions from people in the whole opposite corners of the country from where you're from where you're located. So I, I think it's a Kind of a good lesson on the power of uh, the good power of social media. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I think it's um, you know it's turned into a phenomenal resource um, for stuff like this. And and for me, I I, I love this. I love reading about you know whether it's research you know being done um, by professors I follow or, or other turf turf professionals. And to me personally, it's more of a learning opportunity um, than it is more of like a social media, I guess. And that might be a weird way of saying it. I'm not, 
necessarily on Twitter to use it as a social media that I use it as a resource for myself and my club. Um, I use it quite a bit to show examples to my membership or my board um, about what other people are doing and why, you know, why we should think about stuff on the golf course, you know, and, and uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think we all kind of have our own reasons for social media and in Twitter and in, in all of that. Um, that's just mine. That's, that's where I have felt like it has best benefited me is, is more of an educational resource than anything else. Well, let's, uh, let's, we'll step away from, from this a little bit. I'll let you kind of brag on, on, on your situation there <laughs> at, at Kitsap and okay. you're kind of, uh, you're tucked into the kind of the upper part of the Pacific Northwest there, um, a probably a unique area. What what does turfgrass management look like in, in your part of the world? And, and in specific to the time of the pandemic, what would, in a normal circumstance, uh, would things have looked like for you? Would you have just been welcoming players back to the course as we came out of winter into spring? How many uh, staff members would you typically have had? Um and just kind of, you know, what is, what is your job like there at Kitsap Golf and Country Club? We, uh, you know, like I said, we're a smaller club. Um, my, my core budgeted staff that I had set for this year was myself and nine other guys. Um, two of those guys being seasonal and, uh, um, and, you know, I was, I've been down kind of one full-time position this year that I was just going to kind of try to work using those hours somewhere. Um, but, uh, but no, our, our clubs open year round weather pending. Um, we got polo greens that are always a challenge, especially when you get into winter time and, and the rain takeover, um, it, it brings on a whole new challenge with making sure that you're up, you know, being able to take care of your turf the way you need to. Um, I think everybody, and I'll speak for myself, but probably can speak for, for a lot of other people that this couldn't have happened at a worst time of the year for us that are trying to maintain a golf course. Obviously you're getting the most growth, um, all year long out of your course right around now. And then you're cutting your labor by, you know, 75, 80, 90%, a hundred percent at times, um, doesn't necessarily go well together, but, um, but no, at that, at that time, you know, we, we, uh, let the full-time guys kind of take a break for a while. I was probably in the process of bringing on some uh, seasonal guys right about now, um, here or kind of middle, middle May, but, um, you know, obviously that has gone away and, uh, it's, uh, yeah, just, just trying to go for a ride, I guess, and just see kind of where right. this all takes us. You know, I'm finally starting out with my core group back full time. I'm still, you know, now I'm able to kind of get back to a some more sort of a routine, uh, which is nice, you know, and which obviously has let me take a few days off, but, uh, um, yeah, we're not, we're not back to normal by any means. And like we kind of we alluded to before, I don't even know what normal would be right now, you know, I think right. we, kind of establish our new normal, not just for ourselves, but also our staff. Um, the staff yeah, likes, some, some of it is not routine. necessarily about going back to normal. It's just being able to establish a routine exactly. that everyone that's maybe more familiar to everyone and, and just kind of getting back into that routine, even if it's different, uh, slightly different than, than, than what it was before. Completely agree. And I think that's probably the most important thing out of all of this is, you know, I, I learned a long time ago and I'm not good at it by any means. I'm trying to not show your emotions, you know, not show that you're flustered, not show that you're frustrated. I, that's probably the biggest thing I have to work on myself. Um, but trying to make sure that it's as comfortable as you possibly can be for your staff, you know, um, they, they, they know that if, you know, the boss is running around like a chicken with his head cut off, what are they expected to do? Right. You know, right. like trying, trying to, trying to, to have some sort of normalcy for them and some sort of schedule that they can somewhat predict, you know, um, will make life a lot easier on the backside for me, you know? And, uh, 
um, trying to figure it all out like everybody else is. I'm not, I'm not alone. And we're all in the same boat at, at different levels with regards to what uh, property they're on and, and how big their club is or right. courts or, you know, what, what facet of the industry that you're in. But uh, we all got to figure it out some way going forward. And I've been a very big uh, believer that this will definitely make all of us better, whether it's personally or professionally after this is all somewhat over whenever that is. Um, right. You know, I think we can look back at this here down the road and, and, uh, use this as an example going forward for sure. And a lot of different, yeah, definitely plenty of lessons to be, yes. uh, to be taken from that. Yes. Um, yes. almost wrapped up with you here, Jason. What, how did you, how'd you get into the business? Uh, lifelong golfer. What, what first attracted you to a career in uh, golf course management? It was a high school job. It was, uh, it was the only job that I really wanted to work at in high school. It was outside every day. Um, worked out with the sports schedule off early in the afternoons, go to practice, play games at night you know, get up and do it all again the next day. And, and I just, something just clicked, you know, um, I've worked a couple different jobs, um, doing variety of different things throughout my career and, and always kind of came back to this and, uh, decided here a while back that this was going to be my career. And I've been on a golf course now for, you know, the 22, 23 years, something like that. And, uh, I think it's a phenomenal, uh, industry. I wouldn't do it you know, wouldn't do anything different. Uh, you might ask, you know, I might have different answers on different days of that, but I, 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 right. think, <laughs> I think big picture. Yeah. This is my career and this is what I've uh, wanted to do. And, and, uh, absolutely love it. Well, I, listen, I, I want to, I want to thank you for, for taking the time. I know you have been uh, burning the candle at both ends and you, you more than, more than most are probably looking forward to, uh, to that move uh, back towards, uh, uh, some familiar routine. So, um, yeah. It really enjoyed him. Really, uh, the the story's a great one. Uh, I think you know we can get caught up in this business and complaining about things that go on and the ch- and the challenges the that are constantly there. Um, but a story where a membership actually kind of steps up and and takes some ownership, uh, and even if it's just to help a, a little bit, uh, was a great one. Clearly, I'm not the only one that thought that based on the the responses uh, to your tweet. So. Uh, so uh, again, thank you for taking the time, Jason. I uh, really enjoyed uh, talking with you and best of, uh, best of luck up there. And uh, as yeah. we move in, uh, into our summer months here. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you guys for showing interest in it and, you know, and getting the good word out. And, you know, like I said, this is just, this is a strictly a feel good story. And there's plenty of other work with volunteers that have gone on at the club like this. It just so happened that I took one picture of one person and put it on Twitter and, and way it went. So I, uh, yep. yeah, we can't, can't have enough feel good stories right now. So that's right. that's right. The more the merrier. So hopefully this will, uh, you know, maybe somebody else might get inspired by some of this stuff here, not just with me, but with other stories that are going on. And maybe that might encourage some other people to step up at somebody else's club and help out a little bit and, you know, Hey, you can't, can't get enough of that going on right now. So no, no, absolutely. Absolutely not. So Jason Krogman, again, Jason's the uh, superintendent at Kitsap golf and country club, Bramerton, Washington. You can find him on Twitter at Jason Krogman, number seven. That's all one word, Jason. Thanks again. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that's it for episode 23 of the GCSA podcast. My thanks go out to Justin Daigle from Perry Park Country Club in Larkspur, Colorado, to Jason Krogman from Kitsap Golf and Country Club in Bramerton, Washington, and to everyone at Bear Environmental Science for their ongoing support of the podcast as our presenting partners. If you haven't already, let me remind you once again to please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. It really does help us out when you do that. 
We will be back very soon with another episode of the GCSA podcast. But until then, on behalf of our producer, Evan Bissell, the members of the GCSA National Board of Directors, and everyone at GCSAA headquarters in Lawrence, Kansas, where we will be uh, returning very soon after a three-month stint of uh, working remotely. My name is Scott Hollister. Thanks again for downloading and listening to the GCSA podcast, and we will talk to you again real soon. Thanks a lot, everybody.